Lord has blessed me more than more than I could ever hope for. I'm not worthy of it. I'm so thankful, though, that the Lord loves us enough that He would give us such blessings. Excuse me while I get a little drink of water here. You pray for me this morning. I'm nervous as a tick. I don't know why. Understanding what importance it is to stand and deliver the Word of God. There's no greater calling in the world than to be able to speak and say what God says. Uh, this morning I do have a message the Lord has been dealing with me on. And it's in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. And I've got to turn this microphone on again. There we go. Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 22 through 25 this morning, Lord willing. And we'll be looking at a few other verses. But Hebrews chapter 10. And when you get there, if you're able to stand, you please stand to read of God's Word this morning. Hebrews chapter 10. Start with verse 22. And here the Bible says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Thank you for the good, sweet spirit that we can feel, God, for all the special singing. The choir singing, God, everything is take place right now. Lord, we thank you for it. God, I'm asking now that you keep me hidden and out of the way. May you be revealed. And, oh, Lord, do a mighty work in our hearts this morning. We'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Well, I'm going to preface this message with saying that I am not pointing anyone out directly. I, in fact, I don't know most of your lives or anything much about you. Uh, I am not uh, directing this message toward anyone in particular. I'm not directing it especially to folks that are sick or disabled or uh, unable to get around or maybe they're shut in or homebound. But rather, this message is really uh, directed toward everyone, but uh, mostly we could say those that are physically able to attend the house of God. I've titled the message this morning, Why Church Matters. And that seems kind of funny to me sometimes, the messages that God gives me to preach and and knowing that I'm going to be preaching to the choir this morning, you know, uh, you faithful folks, I see you every time I'm here, and uh, I know it, it seems like uh, strange to me sometimes, but I like to follow the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit and, and preach what God would have us to preach, yes. and you know, you just got to preach uh, the full counsel of God's Word. And so, uh, with that being said, I'm going to preach, like I said this morning, just for a little while on why church matters. Uh, the definition of the New Testament church and Pastor Sexton drove this in our heads about every time I'd hear him. He would say, he would say the, the uh, definition of a local New Testament church is a local assembly of baptized believers who have voluntarily joined themselves together to carry out the Great Commission. Uh, and I, I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. I believe it's the greatest institution on the face of the earth. That God left us here to be able to worship Him, to worship the Lord Jesus, and He gave us the church. Now I know the church is not this building. I know it's not the, the things that make it up. And, you know, I've read the great history of this church and how, you know, the very first church was, was built one day and then 
this church. The next one was the tribe building one day. Didn't quite get there, but almost. And uh, read the newspaper articles and, and the pastor's heart at that time and everything that, that was going on. Uh, wonderful. I love that kind of thing. And I realized that the building is not the church. The church is believers. It's, it's us. It's those who have trusted Christ as our Savior. And we are part of the church. However, saying that, we do realize that, that God does have places for the church to congregate, to come together, to meet together. Now, of course, over the last few years, as COVID came in, there was a lot of these restrictions, and you know, places were closing. And uh, out in California, I mean, uh, there's a pastor out there who was having to pay thousands of dollars for violating the, you know, the law that they couldn't assemble together so many people, and he did it anyway. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, and I know uh, certain some places like that. I believe you guys met in the parking lot at times and uh, had services out there. Nothing wrong with that, uh, but. During all this, we saw a great falling away from people attending the house of God, right. especially after the the, uh, the virus or, or whatever you want to call pandemic has started dwindling down, and you know places started opening back up, people coming back in. But we noticed that uh, folks just quit coming. Now a lot of that I realized because church started live streaming. Uh, I have uh, pastor friends who had never live streamed until COVID came out. And uh, their live streams would be upside down and sideways and all these, these things, you know. But they learn. And, uh, but, and I love live streaming. Our church live streams, you know, uh, you guys live stream. And I, I thank God for that. I think that's a great blessing for those that are, sh- are shut in, homebound, not able to get out, sick, maybe uh, at work at a question on break or whatever it may be, whatever reason. That's a, that's a wonderful uh, opportunity there to have a, a live stream service. However... In many cases, I believe it's taken the place of people physically going to the house of God. Uh, I know people personally that has told me, you know, I really enjoy just sitting at home and just watching online now. And, uh, you know, uh, and it's, it's gotten to be, the way, be that way. Uh, the Lord Jesus in Matthew 16 and 18 said, Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, ever since then, it's been common practice and scripturally, scripturally mandated that when people come together, believers, when they join themselves with Christ, they come together to worship Him in a local assembly. And that's what this is, Ecclesia. Uh, it's a called out assembly. And so that is what the, the Bible teaches, that uh, believers come together and assemble together as a congregation. Uh, look at verse 22 of our opening text, Hebrews 10 and 22. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, the Hebrew writer, who I often say is most likely the Apostle Paul, uh, he writes here in verse 22 of our opening text, the let us draw near with a true heart. Now, the number one requirement for us as people to come in to worship God is to worship Him in spirit and in truth. So a true heart is necessary to be able to worship God in the correct way. In John 4, 23, the Bible says, But the hour cometh that now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is the spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now we all know the story around that where he met the lady at the the well and uh, at Samaria and, and told her all these great truths and, and everything. But here is a clear mandate from the Lord Jesus himself that if you're going to worship God, that you must worship him in spirit and in truth. Any other way is a false worship. 
And so we must worship Him in those ways. And I'm afraid there's a lot of untrue worship going on these days. Uh, we cannot worship the Lord in truth when our minds are filled with everything else. When our minds are constantly filled full of the garbage of the world, when we allow those things to come in and occupy space in our heads, we cannot worship in truth because we have all this junk up here inside. We carry around so much baggage these days and uh, carry it around with us everywhere we go, cumbered down, and we can't worship the Lord in truth when we're that way. Now, I realize, you know, we go through times in our lives. We get burdened down. We get depressed. We get worried. We get all these things that press upon us in life. And, and it sometimes gets to us. But we got to remember that the Lord Jesus, as we preached last Sunday, He cares for us. And He wants us to cast our burdens upon Him because He careth for us. And so we need to understand when we come into worship, it's time to give Him true worship. And that is worship in spirit and in truth. Now, I'm going to ask you this morning. Don't raise your hand. I want to ask you, before you came to church today, did you earnestly and honestly pray to the Lord and ask Him to bless this service, to bless the singing, to bless the congregation, to bless the, the man preaching, to bless everything here? Did you ask Him what He would have you do in the service? To what? Brother Byron, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a deacon. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I'm not this or that. No, but listen. I said it this morning, I've preached on this many times. Uh, church is not a spectator event. It's a participator. Yeah. It's not a ball game. It's not a movie. You don't come in and sit on the pew and look up and say, and watch the show. And that's what a lot of people, their thoughts of church is. I'm going to go in and see what it's like today. Hear if it's any good. Is the singing any good? Is the preacher going to be any good? Is the preacher going to preach too long? Is he going to do this or do that? I wonder if someone's going to be there. And so they start acting like they're just uh, you know, a spectator watching everything. Uh, when the truth is, we're to be a participator. We are to prepare our hearts and ask the Lord what He would have us do in the worship service. Now, it could be simply praying right there at your feet. Praying for the service going on. I don't know what it could be. You could be going and speaking to someone. Maybe a visitor that came in. Going in and speak to them. God's got something for each of us to do. And, and trust me, it's not to hold down those pews. They're not going anywhere. And so He wants us to worship Him in spirit and truth. So we must first prepare our hearts and minds for worship. Now also please notice the Hebrew writer speaking of the church when he says, let us draw near. He didn't say let you draw near. He said let us draw near. He means us as in the church. Drawing near means when we worship, rather he's talking about a corporate worship as a called out assembly is what he's speaking of. Let us Having our hearts sprinkled, our bodies washed with pure water. And the Bible uses the word congregation actually 364 times and the word church 80 times throughout the scripture. So I believe it's a very important thing on God's heart for the congregation, for the church, for the called out assembly. Uh, it doesn't mean just individuals. It's a gathering of God's people. Over in Psalm 22 and 22, the Bible says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. In Psalm 89 and 5, the Bible says, and the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness, also in the congregation of the saints. Now, some people, when you confront them about attending church, they say, well, you know, I can worship anywhere just as good as I can at church. Yeah, I can worship at home. And, you know, just like I can at, at church. 
That is true. You can worship at home. You can worship in the woods. You can worship at the lake. You can worship wherever you like to worship. However, when I ask people about this, I say, okay, how are you worshiping at home? Well, 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 they're not. They're not. And they may be praying, they may be reading their Bible, they may be a form of worship, but they're not worshiping the same as they would if they were attending the house of God and being with the congregation of the saints, and they're just not. Now, there are some people that, that do congregate in their home. That's where our church, of course, like Baptist, it, it began in a home, and, it, and it's where it's at now. It's in, in our home. It's where we, we worship from. But uh, the majority of people that are using that excuse for not attending church in all reality are not worshiping at home. And uh, listen, we will all stand before the Lord Jesus one day. And the Bible says we'll answer for both good and bad that we've done in these bodies. And so, uh, listen, it's just our reasonable service that we worship Him uh, as corporate worship. And uh, I'm thankful that we're able, like I said, to use online streaming, and, and that's good. It's a blessing for those that are homebound, physically unable to attend church. And maybe there's times when something happens to you and uh, you get sick and you're not able to come, and so you put on the live stream, and that's a wonderful thing, but it has become a substitute for many people. And let's be honest, watching a service online is nothing like physically being there, uh, congregating together with other believers. Uh, this morning, as I came in here, just the, the joy that you can feel when you walk in the door, realizing you're together with with other Christians, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you've been saved today, you're my brother or you're my sister. And so uh, I love that. And so we get together and then, you know, the singing begins and people are lifting up the name of the Lord in song. You know, what if I was at home by myself? I, I, didn't, I didn't hear nobody else do that. Or what if I was just watching online? It's just about the same, you know? And so, and a lot of the times people are watching online, they get interrupted. They get instant messages. They get other things. They get distracted and things are going on all around them and everything. And so uh, we don't need to substitute sitting at home watching it online with actually going to God's house. Look at verse 23. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Now, one thing you must realize as you're reading through the book of Hebrews, it's written to a group of people who were under very heavy persecution. These people were being persecuted not only by the Romans, but they were being persecuted by their own Jewish uh, people, uh, the, the non-believers. They were getting persecuted heavily by these, these folks. And uh, so, you know, you can understand in a way for them maybe not wanting to assemble together with other people, maybe being seen out like that or whatever. But here the Hebrew writer says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. He's trying to give encouragement to those believers there, the, these Hebrew believers, who are under such heavy persecution. In other words, stand strong. Keep the faith. Don't let that hinder your walk with God. Stick together and endure in this race. And so while Christians aren't really being persecuted in this country, and may I say, yet... You're, you're seeing shadows of it right now. When you may watch the news and see certain things going on and you see how the slant is against Christians or Christianity or anything about the Lord. Uh, and so I believe with all my heart it's coming to this country one day. Uh, you know, like it is in other countries. And by the way, they're getting persecuted in other countries more than ever in history right now. But we don't see it here in, in this Western world. 
But if you go online and, and you get on some of the websites that talk about Christian persecution, you will see all kinds of things that's going on today. There, people are still getting murdered simply for believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, we need to remember that. And so we are not really getting persecuted in this country yet. And we have freedom to go and worship wherever we like. Did anyone stop you today and ask you where you were going while you were driving on down the road? They're doing that in other countries. Where are you going? What's your intentions? Are you going to worship? We didn't get stopped today. Now, nobody said anything to me about going to church. I have all the freedom that I want to come to church. But there may be a day when we won't have that freedom. But you know, a lot of folks today, even Christians, are instead of going to the house of God, they find other places to go on the Lord today. And we all know those places, the restaurants are filled, movies, sporting events. Uh, nowadays, uh, even high school sports are playing on Sundays a lot of times and practicing and things. And so there are a lot of distractions out there, a lot of things drawing people to not go to the house of God. But we must be like uh, the Hebrew writer here. He's saying, let's hold fast profession of our faith without wavering. And so uh, we don't need to let other things occupy our time or hinder us from worshiping. I've known some people and I ask them, you know, about church if they're coming. Well, you know, I've got this going on Sunday. My family's coming in. I've got this and that. And all that's wonderful. I'm glad for you. But don't let that take the place of you coming to worship. You know, we're, the way I was raised, if, if the house of God is open and it's the church that we have our names on the roll book, if it's got a service going on, we're going to be there. I don't care the president of the United States comes to visit my home. If it's Sunday and the church is open, he's got to go to church with me or, or he's going to have to sit there and wait on me to get back because we're going to the church. Sadly, today things have changed. People have placed other things over the priority of church. Church used to be the priority. And somebody would ask you if you could do something, you'd say, well, that's on Sunday, right? Yeah. Well, I have church that day. And so, you know, if it's after church, maybe I can come and do that. It's not like that now. Now they're, they're saying, well, if I don't have anything else to do, I may make it to church. And so church is taking a back seat to a lot of people. Verse 24 of our text, Hebrews 10 and 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now, I can preach an entire message on that one verse. What a powerful statement that he makes right here. And let us consider one another. It didn't say let us consider ourselves. It didn't say let us consider me. It says let us consider one another. What a concept. Considering someone besides ourselves. That flies in the face of today's teaching. Today it's all about me, myself, and I. What's in it for me? How can I go viral on YouTube or, or Facebook or, or Twitter or whatever, all these other places? How can I get a viral video? And that's what a lot of young people today, they want to get a viral video so that all these people can see me. Well, the Bible right here says, let's consider one another. Yeah. Have you ever stopped to consider what your attendance at church means to other people? What about your children? What makes you think your children would want to attend the church if you don't even attend? Why would they be faithful if you are not faithful? What about your neighbors? 
your neighbors, they see your car leaving every Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday, uh, whatever church is up. They know. They know where you're going. They know you're going to church. What happens if that car sits in the driveway Sunday after Sunday? You're not going. You think they're over at their house saying, I guess they're worshiping at their house today. No, they're saying, I wonder why they're not going to church anymore. Your testimony, just simply pulling your car out on Sunday and going to church, as they see you walk through the grass and go to the car uh, with your Bible in your hand, they know exactly what's going on. And so that is a testimony in itself. What about your fellow church members? Those that you love and are around? What about that person that normally sits on the same pew with you or in front of you or behind you? And you know us Baptists, we have our own pew. Don't we? Don't we all have our own pew? I know I always have. We find a pew that we think we're comfortable in. That's where we sit. Now, if a visitor comes in and happens to sit there, that's fine with me. I don't get upset. Some people do. But we all have our own place. And if you're not in your place and people know where to look for you at, I wonder where they're at today. And the next thing, I wonder where they're at today. Now, let me say this in between that. Let me put a little bracket in here. If they miss more than one service, you need to call them and ask. Don't wait on your pastor or a deacon to do it. You do it. You know, that was one of the things when I was the former church I was pastor that somebody would be sick or something would happen and they would come to me and ask me about about this person, what's wrong? And I'm like, this is the first time here now. You know, I, you know. And so if you're really concerned about someone, go and find out yourself. Crack it away. What about the people who you have asked to pray for you when you were going through that struggle? You know? Something was going on. You come to church. You were just desperate. You were asking people, please pray for me. People were praying for you. People come down to the altar praying for you. And then you stopped coming to church. I had a friend one time. He was, he was about to go through a divorce. And he, he wants me to come and, and talk with him. I'm talking with him. And I'm telling him, that, you know, uh, you, need, you and your wife need to get yourself in church and all this. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to church. And so... Uh, they come to church for a few times, and uh, they started things started working out. Seemed like they were getting better, and so they quit coming. And his thing was, well, everything's fixed now. There's no need for me to go to church. Church is not your fix-it solution. The church is here to worship the Lord Jesus in. But coming here and worshiping Him and getting your heart right, getting your lives uh, right, a husband and wife they come together and they worship together. And we see the love, the bond that God gives them and uh, keeps them from messing up. They got divorced, by the way, in case you're wondering. What about the Sunday school class that you attend? Your teacher's prepared all week long, has been praying over the, the Sunday school lesson, looks around, there's empty seats. I wonder where they're at. And they feel like they're teaching for nothing. What about if you're the teacher of the Sunday school class? We've had this happen teacher of the Sunday school class just don't show up. And students come in, they're sitting there and they're waiting. Bell rings. Where's the teacher? I don't know. Didn't show up. Went on and on. What about visitors? Um, again, I, I keep praying up one of our former churches. Uh, this church was like similar to the way this one's laid out, only it was like twice as big uh, that way. And so, great big auditorium. And, uh, you know, we got down where there was just a few people in there. And they were all sitting in a corner. And so, a 
visitor would come in and they'd, they'd look around. And they're like, are you guys open? You know, what's going on here? There must be a problem here. And they would sit, you know, all these empty pews all around them. They're wondering, what, what is going on? And so what does it say to the world when they walk in the church that you've invited them to come to and you're not there? Nobody else is there. What about the preacher who spends hours every week praying, studying, preparing a message to feed you from the Word of God as he looks around and sees empty pew after empty pew? I can tell you it's disheartening. What about that person that mustered up all the strength that they possibly could? They came. I had an aunt, Barbara. Her sister was here. Last, uh, last Sunday, Brenda was her sister. But man, Barbara, she was older than Brenda. But uh, she she got cancer. Lung cancer. She didn't smoke or anything. She just got lung cancer. It started going down bad. But her love for being in the house of God was so overwhelming. She insisted she was going to church no matter what. And she was our pianist. We had to literally carry her to the piano bench and set her down. She couldn't even hardly stand on her own feet. Yet she came every time. She didn't miss anything. Going through the treatments and all, as sick as she could be, she still loved being in the house of God. And there was people physically able, nothing wrong with, claim they love the Lord, claim they love the church, would be children. Most importantly, what about the Lord Jesus? You know, the one that you said you love with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. The one you gave your life to. The Lord Jesus. What about him? Amen. Did we not find it important enough to come to his house and worship with his people? Yes, we very well need to consider one another. A few years ago, I wrote a Bible track called Why Church. We gave it out all over the community. I built it down and did all kinds of things with it. But some of the things that I pointed out in that little Bible track was Why Church was one... Uh, it's been proven an increase of life expectancy by eight years. They've actually done research on this and found that someone who regularly attends church, their life expectancy is, is greater, eight years greater than those who don't attend church. <laughs> Sounds uh, crazy. Uh, a significant reduction in drug, alcohol, and tobacco use. A dramatically lower risk of suicide. A 70% faster rebound from depression. A dramatic reduction in risk for committing crimes, an improved attitude at school, and increase of school participation for students. Those are some very real statistics that are out there that you can find on people that attend church on a regular basis. All these great things. There's also 10 reasons that I've listed that you should attend church. It's a place for spiritual help and guidance. It's a place to worship the Lord Jesus. It's a place where you have a pastor when you're sick or in need, need someone to pray for you. It's a place to hold weddings and funerals. Now, that may sound silly to you, but that's an important thing in your life. Uh, we've held almost all of our family's funerals in a church building. We don't usually go to the funeral home to do that. We do it in the church building and get married in the church building. It's a place for baby and wedding showers. It really is. It's a place for clean, family-oriented activities. It's a place to call your church. How many people have ever asked, where do you go to church? 
Well, you know exactly what to say if you go to church. I go to Northside Baptist Church. Amen. You ever ask somebody where to go to church and they're like, what? I asked a guy one time where he went and he told me where he went. I said, how is Pastor so-and-so doing? And he just kind of looked at me funny. He hadn't been there this long. The, the, the pastor that was there when he was there had left already. It's a place to volunteer and help other people. It's a place to make friends. And it's a place of encouragement and support. And those are just a, a few benefits of actually being part of a church family. Now look at verse 25. This is the pastor's favorite verse. <laughs> Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So, like I said, usually this is a pastor's most quoted verse, or probably not, I wouldn't say this is his favorite, but it's most quoted. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, whether you want to admit this or not, this is not a suggestion. It's not a, a if perhaps, but it is a commandment. There are many commandments throughout the Bible that God gives us that are not part of the Ten Commandments. A lot of people, when they think of God's commandments, they think of the Ten. Yeah. There are hundreds if not thousands of commandments from God that we are to do. When God says to do something, that is a commandment. And so he says not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together. And so uh, he expects us, he expects our obedience and assembling ourselves together. You can't assemble yourself together when you're at home watching it on the computer. Now, like I said, obviously in this day, there was a problem there because of persecution. People... Maybe they weren't, weren't as faithful as they should be, because it says it's the matter of some is. And so some believers apparently had had backslid. They'd gotten away from the church. They were not assembling themselves together. Could have been fear of persecution. Could have been neglect of duty or maybe just being lazy. It could have been maybe discord among the brethren. There's a lot of arguing and going on. Uh, could have been dissatisfaction with the leadership. You know, I just don't, I don't believe them. I don't like them. Who knows what their excuses were. But, much like today, we have the same problems as the matter of sun is. As the matter of sun is. Now notice that one of the reasons he gives for his assembling is to exhort one another. Yes. To that, that's what exhortation is. Some people have the gift of exhortation. They're really good at it. I am so thankful for those folks because they always have a way of lifting you up. Now, I've been visiting people in, the, in the, uh, the hospital and going in expecting, you know, something real bad and, and thinking, you know, I'm going to try to encourage them and, and help them lift them up and walk in there. And by the time I leave, they've encouraged me more than I've encouraged them. Yeah. They've just got that spirit of exhortation about them. <laughs> well, here the Bible tells us that we need to assemble ourselves together as a matter of some is, but, uh, but exhorting one another. So encouraging one another, lifting each other up. And I can say without a doubt this morning, I was lifted up as I spoke to each one of you. And, and some of you shook your hands today and, and everything. And I've just been exhorted this morning. Um, he says so much more as you see the day approaching. Now this was written over 2,000 years ago. And uh, it's obvious that the, the Hebrew writer here was expecting the soon return of the Lord Jesus. Ever since the Lord Jesus ascended up on that cloud of glory, people have been looking for his imminent return. And he is going to come back. He is going to return. 
And but you can guarantee that it's closer today than it was in that day. And so that's why it says so much more as you see today approaching. I want you to know the day is approaching. The world is waxing worse and worse. Things are not getting better. People are always looking for revival. I'm looking for the Lord. I'm looking for the Lord. It was urgent in that day. Just imagine how urgent it is right now. The Lord could come and take us out any minute. There is nothing on God's timetable that is keeping him from taking his church out of here. All right, now, I want to say something. If you've not heard anything else I've said this morning, I want you to hear this. We'll be finished. Why church matters? Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. Why is church attendance so important? Because the Lord Jesus placed so much importance upon the church. That he gave himself for it. He hung on the cross shed his blood for the church. So when we treat it flippantly or nonchalantly or like it doesn't really matter if it on the back burner, it's not important anymore. Uh, other things are more important than the church. Remember for just a moment that the church was so important to the Lord Jesus, he died for it. He died. Now more than ever, God's people need to assemble themselves together to worship and exhort. And the truth is, if you're able to go to Walmart, Cracker Barrel, um, Hardee's, Texas Roadhouse, Burger King, wherever it is that you like to go, if you're able to go to those places, you're able to go to the house of God. We had a shut-in that could go to the beauty parlor every week. She could go out and eat. She could do all kinds of things, but she was shut-in. We prayed for our shut-ins. She was shut-in. Yet she could drive. She could go anywhere she wanted. And she lived about 500 feet from the church. So let me tell you, if you're depressed, don't stay out of church because you're depressed. I feel depressed a lot. And I go to church, I start getting lifted up. The Lord lifts us up. Fellow believers in Christ exhort one another, we get lifted up. If you're feeling sad, don't stay out of church and, and get all down and discouraged and alone. Come to church and be sad around other people. You'll get happy real quick. You're around other folks, other like-minded folks. If you're feeling under conviction, don't stay out of church because you get convicted when you come. Because that's exactly where you need to be. Uh, once I had a guy that would come every Sunday, he would sit on the back view, he would listen to the sermon, he would grip, he would grip the benches, he would he'd get all uh, tense, and when I'd start to give an invitation, he would get up and walk out the front door. One day, he was standing out on the porch, and I pulled one on him. I walked out before everybody else did, and we got on the porch, and there he was. I said, what are you doing on the porch? He said, I'm just going to be honest with you, Brother Byron. Every time I come here, I get under such conviction that I just can't stand it. I said, well, what are you coming out here for? Because I'm afraid that if I don't, I'll have to go down, down there to the front. And people see me. I prayed that that man got saved. I, I talked to him about the Lord. and He acted like he understood. Maybe, perhaps he did, but I prayed for him. But church is 
that's what the Lord does. It's not anything I say, not anything that I've done. I can't convict a single person in this building, but I know the Holy Spirit can. And He does and He will. And so if you're under conviction, of all means, come to church. One of these days, the Holy Spirit's going to get a hold of you enough to, to get you to accept Him as Savior. Listen, church is important. If none of these reasons, except uh, any of these things, don't matter to you, it should matter to you that the Lord Jesus gave Himself to the church. Let's be faithful to the house of God. And like I said, I'm preaching to the choir. But there's one right now, I guarantee you, there's one, maybe two, that's either watching this on live stream, or they're going to see it later on YouTube, or wherever it may be. And they know, without a doubt, they're supposed to be right here in one of these pews. Their name is on your logo. They said they love this church. They used to attend here, but now they're not, and they're able to. This is the time that we need to welcome them right here. <clears throat> we understand you come right here. This is your place. This is your church. You belong here. We love you. We want you here. Amen. Brother Scott, you come and get a song. And I know this doesn't seem much of a you know, salvation message or anything, but I want you to know if you've not been saved today, you are not part of the church. You're not. You might have somehow got your name in the roll book join the church, but only believers belong to the church. And so, uh, if you've not been saved, may this be the day that you realize that you're lost. You need to be saved. If you need to pray for any other reason, for salvation, for backslidden, or just need to pray, you come down. I'd love to pray with you if you want me to. If you don't need to pray, pray by yourself. But let's all stand as we say. Go ahead, brother. Page 375. Have I no way?